0: Back in those days, they had what was called the picnic area in left field, so they had a lot of wooden benches for the people to sit down on and mm-hmm. have a snack. Well, they took the, the, some of the benches from the picnic area and they made a big bonfire in center field. And I don't know how much more depressing a groundkeeper can get than to see a fire in the middle of center field. <laughs> it, it wasn't a good day, Chuck, let me tell you that. <laughs> it was not a good day. Do you know how many games you have been
1: a groundskeeper? here for because you haven't missed many games in your entire career
0: yeah um barring 68 when i was in vietnam uh, i've missed seven games in 56 years
1: that's the one and only roger bossert talking about his lou gehrig streak as white Sox groundskeeper what it was like on the night of disco demolition And there's so much more on this edition of the White Sox Talk podcast brought to you by Wintrust. Hey, everyone, it's Chuck Garfine. And this is a riveting conversation with Roger, who talks about his incredible family lineage, starting with his grandfather and how he and his late father, Gene, have been the only White Sox groundskeepers in the last 82 years. Talks about his 100-hour work weeks. The signed baseball he has from the Rolling Stones, how he became known as the Sodfather, why he and Ricky Henderson didn't get along, and so much more. So it's the life and the career of the Sodfather, Roger Bossert. He even gives us an important tip for watering our lawns. We've done over 700 White Sox Talk podcasts. This is one of my favorites. You've got the jersey, the ball cap, the foam finger. Everyone can see you're a Chicago White Sox fan from a mile away. Ready to take your look to the next level? Upgrade your wallet with an exclusive Sox debit card, which you can get when you open a Wintrust Sox checking account. With no monthly fees, free ATMs nationwide, and a $300 bonus when you open your account with qualifying activities. Start showing your Sox pride with every purchase. Sign up at Wintrust.com slash Sox. Only $100 required to open. No monthly minimum balance and no monthly maintenance fees. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. White Sox! White Sox! Go! Go! White Sox! That ball hit deep, way back! Deep to the field! Holy cow! Carlton Fisk has put the White Sox ahead! Jimenez leaves the ballpark! You can't put it on the board! Yes!
0: We got a chance to do something real special.
1: All right, sit back, relax, and strap it down. It's time for the White Sox Talk Podcast. Okay, so we are here at Guaranteed Rate Field, and there are many big names, big names in White Sox history, but the biggest, well, let's just say, one of the biggest is right here.
0: The office of Roger Bossard. Hey, Hey, Chuck. (laughs) How are you doing? Welcome. Good to see you. Come on into my lair. Oh,
1: it is. (laughs) It is the Roger Bossard lair. Uh, This is the nerve center
0: of where, wow, so many decisions have been made. Yes, quite a few. Actually, people don't know what goes on behind the scenes. And uh, when the park, when the stadium was built, I made sure and had my office across from the umpires. So obviously, there are a key cog in the wheel of making the decisions. So between uh, Rick, Kenny, Jerry, uh, a lot of times I'll have both managers in here and the crew chief, everybody comes to a decision on what we're gonna do, whether mm-hmm. we're gonna start on time. And, and one of the things who people don't understand is that um, when they see all of a sudden it's not raining at game time and we don't start, it's because of the pitchers. We'll see on the computer. I would have the computer on my weather weather computer and it would show that rain's coming in 15, 20 minutes. Rule of thumb is that if you don't have at least 45 minutes to an hour, you don't start the game because you don't want to lose the pitcher. If he comes out and throws one inning and then he can't throw for another half hour, he's gone for the day. Actually, probably gone for the next four days. So a lot of very uh, heady decisions are made in here. The White Sox play
1: the twins. Their opponents are the twins. They're the Yankees. Your opponent is Mother Nature.
0: Is that how you look at this? Uh, that, yeah, <laughs> definitely so. Um, many times, you know what? I'll wake up at 2.30 in the morning when I want to hear a crack of thunder in my home. Uh, weather, you know what? Weather's my nemesis. Mm-hmm. There's no question about it. <laughs> So, but, uh, you know, with, with all we've got and with with Tommy Skilling being my friend, I know who to call if I need help, uh, but with the computer here, and this is my own system, mm-hmm. it's on the roof itself. So, our park is singular. We have our own Doppler. So, I'm pretty much, uh, um, I'm getting used to it. I, I, I know a little bit about the weather now. I'm not taking anybody's job, uh, but uh, it helps out with the umpires and dealing with MLB. I want to ask you so many questions about your career, how you became a
1: groundskeeper, how you became the sod father, but I cannot ignore what is behind you, which is this framed photograph of, it's it's US solar field, but it's now guaranteed rate field obviously. And you have signatures of your past and every single name that I see on here has a big time story, a big time baseball story, a big time White Sox story, and I don't even know where to begin and what these people mean to
0: you. Where should we even start? This is very special to me. It's There is one of one. And I can tell you, Jerry Reinsdorf was in my office probably about a month ago during the meeting and he saw it and obviously I had Jerry sign it. And I said, that's really cool. And I said, well, but I just wanna let you know that when I do retire, I'm taking it home with me. He goes, no, you're not, it's staying here. I said, no, no, there's one thing going with me and that's it. These are the guys that I was close with. I've got guys in here from the sixties. This is very special to me. Um, I mean, everybody here is special, but we go from the, you know, we got Don Mattingly, Jimmy Palmer, Tony, Tim Raines, we, here's obviously Ozzy. How could I not have Ozzy on here? Uh, it, Robin Ventura, Harold Baines, going over here, Omar Vizquel, Paulie Molotar, obviously Carlton Fisk. Bill Melton's uh, on here? Bill Melton, uh, Eddie Farmer. Oh. Yeah, Eddie and I were very close. A lot of people don't know, Eddie and I played ball against each other when we were 15. Eddie and I grew up together, yeah. and. Uh, D- DJ and I talk about it quite a bit and uh, Eddie's special to a lot of people mm-hmm. and he's still missed. Yes, he is. Uh, but yeah, this is extremely, uh, very important to me and it is going home with me when I <laughs> retire. I'm not sure when it's going to be, right. but it's going home with me. Uh, I noticed Bartolo Colon is on there. <clears throat> One of my favorites, Bartolo, seriously, Bartolo Colon. He was the guy when he was with Cleveland, we had him for a little while. Whenever I'm walking around the field, all of a sudden I'll see a ball shooting by me and it's Bartolo Colon trying to hit me with a ball uh i knew him very well just a good guy all these people here are good guys i uh even aj Przinski, my buddy aj (laughs) he's there and of course the hawk love you my friend the hawk yes that is so awesome so you uh,
1: you it's in your blood like i grew up as a white Sox fan so it's in my blood you being a groundskeeper it's in your blood can you explain actually why don't we just show for the people who are listening you're not going to be able to See this, but this is your lineage. There's a photo here in your office head groundskeeper
0: Emil Bossard and his son Gene. Right. So that's grandpa and dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the next one going over is dad and myself when I was 11. Uh, you see the little uniform back in the day. Myself, Billy Pierce's son, Sherm Lawler's boys. Um, we actually would go on shag balls. Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> can't do that anymore. Yeah, no, no, it was really cool. And then, of course, to the right, uh, there's me with my son when he was 11. Um, hmm. I've been very blessed. You know, when uh, when you hear about the the famous Lou Gehrig streak uh, yeah you know you know when when he when he retired
1: oh 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 and okay. the luckiest fam-
0: man yeah the famous speech uh, lou's second luckiest i've actually been doing what i'm doing uh over 50 years and barring the infamous disco demolition There hasn't been a day that I've regretted. The next day after the disco demolition, and Dad was still here too. And I can remember telling him that I'm not quite sure if I made the right move in my life. Uh, But uh, barring that, I I can't say enough. You know, and the owners I work for, and obviously, as you know, it gets no better than Jerry. I've been blessed. I'm doing exactly what I want to do. Mm. I will not change a thing. Yeah. You're
1: lucky to be able to say that. So, this is your grandfather and your son. So, your grandfather was the head groundskeeper for the… Cleveland Indians. Indians, Yes. Okay. Starting in in what year? 1931. Okay. And then, when did the
0: family get involved with the White Sox? How did that come about? In 1940 the uh, general manager of the White Sox called up the uh, the Cleveland Indians, and he said, I'd like to have one of the sons, because there was my dad and his two brothers mm-hmm. that were there. And his two brothers, older brothers, didn't want to go, so dad said, you know what, I'll give it a shot. And dad came here at 23. Yeah, at 23 years old, he was a major league head keeper, obviously the youngest of all time. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he did it at 23. Uh, and then it just... Went on from there. There are six of us in the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Grandpa, his three sons. My cousin, Brian, was the groundkeeper for the Padres, and then the Yankees and myself. We have over 225 years of doing this. Yeah. So, it's... Uh, I've been blessed and, and I know it. So you started in 83? Yes. Now, no, 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 I started in 67. 67? Yeah, I started 67. Uh, Dad, oh, that's right, because 79 <clears throat> you were here for discount Emulation. Right, yeah. Dad retired in 83. I took over as a head keeper in 83. That's but, what it was. But I've been here since 67. Since 67. So you were how old at 67? Uh, 19,
1: going on 20. And then what people don't know, most people don't know, if not... Everybody doesn't know this unless they know you really, really well. What happened to you in 1968?
0: Yeah, you know what? I, I was in the service, and I spent a tour of duty over in Da Nang, Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, actually, it was a, a trying time. Back then, Da Nang was known for us that were over there as Rocket City. 68 was a rough year in the Vietnam War. Yeah, it was. It was. But you know what? I uh, Actually, I ended up spending a couple months in a hospital over there, and then they shipped me back to the States. But that's, that's another time. Okay. Uh, but... Uh, um, I learned a lot over there, and and sometimes the things you go through in life, you remember in later years when things get tough, and you go, you know what, it's not really that bad. So, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm proud of that. Um, What did you, you're kind of explaining it, but your experience in
1: Vietnam, right? And I don't want to pry too much, but what did you, what are you carrying with you from that experience to this
0: day? And it's been, over 50 years when things are you know what boy that's a great question um one of the guys in my unit got hit by a a mortar attack and he lost both arms and both legs Mm. and i saw him Mm -hmm. and i won't forget it and that yeah how can you forget that well you can't and that's why sometimes when i see people that are you know unhappy in life or complain that things aren't great all Mm -hmm. the time they have no clue have no clue it, it really it really put a perspective on me on how life actually is and i think that any of the guys are over there will mm-hmm. tell you the same thing that when things get tough you go no they're not yeah because you at the end of the day are having an office
1: at a baseball stadium you are you know your your nemesis is Mother Nature. No, <laughs> <you say. laughs> Not, not yeah. a mortar attack anymore. <laughs> yes, right, yes, right, right. yes, yes. Things could be a whole lot worse. You mentioned Disco Demolition. And there's a photo over here from Disco Demolition. And as a child, being a White Sox fan, this rocked my world. It rocked my world in a way much different than yours. Right, right. Because I loved rock and roll music. I could not believe a White Sox game was canceled because they blew up the field. What was it like to be... A groundskeeper, in 1979,
0: the fans stormed the field and they wrecked the field. Well, it was actually a nightmare and it actually was scary. I'm going to tell you a few things in, in the background here. First of all, Bill Veck at the time was sick. He wasn't feeling well. So he had to come down and try and get the kids off the field. Well, they started mobbing him. It just didn't work. They finally had to come and I think there were like 50 or 55 uh, of the horses, the Chicago Police Department came and just to clear the field. Mm-hmm. But this is something a lot of people don't know, that Bill Veck got over 5,000 letters from people, because I knew his secretary real well, for the next month from people telling him how disappointed they were. And I felt so sorry for Bill. Um, what a great guy, extremely mm-hmm. intelligent. Uh, He's just trying to make ends meet, and it just it went haywire and it just it was one of those things and, and certainly a, a learning lesson uh for a lot of people obviously would never have anything like that again uh but as a groundkeeper at one o'clock in the morning i'm calling up our sod guy and tell him i need sod for the next day so he thinks i'm in a bar someplace joking with him at one o'clock in the morning i need sod uh but it's a truism it's it's what happened but it was a, it was a scary night and i once again i felt so sorry for bill because He took all the heat and and it wasn't meant to be that way. Just, it went bad. Yeah. That's it. Where were you and your dad when all this happened? So, what happened, it was
1: the doubleheader between the White Sox and the Tigers, Steve Dahl. Had a promotion for 98 cents. Yes, yes. You could get in if you brought in a disco record. And in between the doubleheader, Steve
0: Dahl blew up the records and then hell breaks loose. Where were you and your dad when this happened? When the kids first started running out, dad and I were trying to save the bases. Save the bases? <clears throat> well, you know, you're a, you're the <laughs> groundkeeper. So, you know, you got it's your field. It's your right. baby. It's your third child. So, we're trying to save the bases. All of a sudden, they're coming down the, the flagpoles. And, and I think Paul Sullivan was one of the guys coming down the flagpole because I caught him on that. Um, so, then all of a sudden, they just started overtaking the field. So, what happened was all of the employees, including dad and myself, we ran in the clubhouse and locked both doors. Mm. It got to be that scary. And that's when every all the melee started. And, and then we finally came out when the, when the uh, policeman came with the horses and all that. And the field was trashed. Back in those days, they had what was called the picnic area in left field. So, they had a lot of wooden benches for the people to sit down on and mm. have a snack. Well, they took the, the some of the benches from the picnic area and they made a big bonfire in center field. And I don't know... How much more depressing a ground keeper can get than to see a fire in the middle of center field? (laughs) It it wasn't a good day, Chuck, let me tell you that. (laughs) It was not a good day. Do you know
1: how many games you have been a groundskeeper here for? Because you haven't missed many games in your entire career.
0: Yeah. um, Barring 68, when I was over in Vietnam, I've missed seven games in 56 years. That's a Lou Gehrig streak, if I've ever heard one. Well, you know, and um, four of them were because of deaths in the family. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two of them were, Ron Schuler had called me up. We were having some problems at our spring training site Mm -hmm. in the middle of summer. Right. So, he said, Roger, people are getting hurt. So, I ran over there for two days and Mm -hmm. did that. And I don't know what the seventh day was. I can't remember what it was, but I know there was seven. So, I haven't counted, but I don't know. I've probably seen... I don't know, 4,300, 4,400 games, yeah. They're out of town as we're taping
1: this, but you're still working, right? Oh, yeah. So, what's your day like on a day game, on a night game, and when there's a game, not even in town?
0: You know, it's funny. A lot of my friends, when the team goes out of town for a week or so, they say, oh, boy, you know, you're going to get a break and all that. Grass still grows. And it's maintenance time. I started this year. I went to spring training on February 9th. I've had 11 days off since February 9th. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's my job. I was raised in it. Yeah. Um, You know, today we're doing some airification. We're top dressing. Uh, Tomorrow I'll start working the infield clay. Uh, I got to fertilize tomorrow. Uh, There's, you know, when the club's in town, I usually put in about 110 hours a week. 110 Uh, hours a week? Yeah, for day games, I'm here at 530. You know, and you get home, maybe at seven, seven thirty at night, and for night games, I'm usually here by eight o'clock, and you get home at midnight. So, but it, it's funny, Chuck. Um, I love what I do, mm-hmm. and you have to do that. You you have to be in love with what you do to do that, and it doesn't bother me at all. I still jump up in the morning, and <clears throat> my wife, Jerry Lynn, is the first one. Be calm, be calm. But she knows how I am. I'm that obviously that type A person, um, but. Uh, I love what I do, but the maintenance is a big part of it. A lot of things that people don't see. At the end of this year now, um, I'm going to pull half the field out, half of the outfield. I'm going to resod it. Then next year, I'll do the other half. I do that probably every three or four years because Mm -hmm. there's always new cultivars of grass that come out. Uh, When I say that, the reason with the newer cultivars, you become less disease prone Mm -hmm. during the hot summer months. So there's a lot to it. And I think the other thing too is the infielders. They're so important. Remember, seventy percent of the actions on the infield, and I can go back. I tip Ozzy. Yeah. Ozzy always wanted to back five or six feet of the clay on the firm side for his first two steps, but he liked it soft in front. Robin always liked it a lot softer. This is what a good groundkeeper does. You just don't come out. A lot of people think, oh, they mad it and they wet it before the game. It's actually anything. But that uh, Frank always liked first base soft. Probably on the on the other side of spectrum as far as being hard. You remember a guy by the name of Julio Cruz? Yes, of course. Second base. <laughs> yes, he liked it almost like a brick. And I can remember talking to him about it. God, I'm not used to making fields hard. Well, he charges every ball. That's the way he plays. Mm-hmm. So Bill Vex said, "A good groundkeeper is worth six to eight games." I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you're worth that, Uh, but I like to think two to four just by doing those little things so that when you're... Actually, I'm the only groundkeeper that goes to spring training, and Jerry has me going to spring training because you want to duplicate the spring training fields Mm -hmm. to the field you've got up north. Yes. So, those little things can make a difference in a game or two. And if you've got a season like we've got now where we're fighting two other clubs, in the end, that one game could be winning or losing it. So, if the White Sox win
1: the division, I'm giving Roger Bossard the credit because that could be the difference between <laughs> yeah. you winning the division and not winning the division. I like, you know what? Tell that to Jerry, will you? <laughs> <laughs> well, there was the game in Cleveland. So, I want to get your thoughts on this. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of rain. This mm-hmm. is uh, last Sunday. Dylan Cease was supposed to start. Everyone assumed, oh, the, as, including myself, the Guardians did not want to face Dylan Cease. So, that's why they're calling the game. But why would they not have a field ready to play? This would never happen here.
0: Yeah, you know what? When you have concerts, there's always a huge risk. Mm -hmm. And even though the concert promoter, they put X amount of money in the till for fixing whatever, I think what happened in Cleveland is, and I know the groundkeeper there, um, during the construction of the concert, they trashed. The left field track, so he had to come in and put a a whole new warning track in. And a warning track consists of certain types of clay, certain types of stone. Well, it doesn't adhere or cementate that quick. So he changed the track. Yet they had an inch and a half or two inches of rain over two two days. Mm -hmm. The track never solidified, and that was a problem. So uh, concerts are are they make a money, but. They come with a with a potential problem, and Cleveland happened to hit that one time where it was a potential problem. So people ask me all the time, why don't the White Sox have more concerts? You used to have a
1: few of them. Bruce Springsteen came here. The Rolling Stones came here, and. At some point, I realized, you know what? I think this is probably because Rodder doesn't want them in the outfield.
0: (laughs) I tell you what, I I wish I had that kind of pull. (laughs) Uh, No, you know what? ISFA, the fine sports authority uh, that run it, they're the ones that are in charge of finding people. Mm -hmm. And evidently, they just, you know, I don't know what's happened, but we haven't had any here. I'm not going to say... That I'm complaining that we don't have them, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not sure why. But when you bring that up, I, I've got to show you something too that I'm very proud of. And there's only one of this. Yes. <clears throat> Mick Jagger and the Stones. They were here. <clears throat> they, this is who signed this.
1: That's the Rolling Stones. The whole Rolling Stones. Yep. yep. Band signed this. There's yep. Mick Jagger's signature. Ronnie Wood, I see him. Yep. Oh my goodness! There's Keith Richards.
0: One, one of one. Actually, Mick came over here, because the deal was when you have concerts, you know, the groundkeeper works pretty close to everybody. Well, Mick has a second stage, and the second stage where it goes out about another 150 feet and it goes on the infield clay, and no one goes on my clay. I just don't allow that. <laughs> you can ask Ozzy. Ozzy will tell you. You know, <clears throat> protect me on that, Ozzy. Yeah. Um, so I said, I'll make you a deal. I'll let you go out there, but I want Mick to sign something for me. Well, he had them all sign a ball and a home plate. And I've got the home plate at home, obviously next to my golden rake that I got. Yeah. Golden rake. <laughs> the golden rake. Yes, right, yes. right, right, right. right. Uh, so he was really cool about everything. And uh, uh, that's how I got the ball and the home plate. That side. is incredible. Yeah, it is. Are you a big Rolling Stones fan? Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And when Springsteen was here, I happened to have him. I got lucky and he signed something too. Come on. So, that's that's my guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you met Bruce? Yes. Yes. What was he like? This is like like killing me right now. Yeah. No. A very cool guy. Very cool guy. Uh, I'll tell you what. Bruce Springsteen is a man's man. I can tell you that. Yeah. I, I had him sign just one thing, one home plate. And once again, he had mentioned me too. He said, I've never signed a home plate before. So uh, I've got that uh, I've got that home down in my in my man cave. Yeah, I bet you do. Um,
1: do you feel like you're a weatherman to some degree? What have you learned about weather
0: and how it affects your job? Well, I know this that it's better better than in the days when my dad, he and I used to laugh about it because he said in the old days when they talk about the weather the umpire of my dad would go out look at like this and go well it's raining or it's not we'll play yeah uh yeah i you know uh, uh tom skilling and i have met of course mm-hmm. i know him and um i've gotten to be a little bit knowledgeable about it mm-hmm. people just have no clue how weather is such a a, a a dominant thing for me um and you have to remember too like taking care of the field if it's humid out i can't wet the positions that we just talked about as much because humidity is moisture it holds the water we have the windiest stadium in baseball. Is that official? Uh, oh, there's no, well, at least by, I'll tell you, by Barry Bonds. And okay. I'll tell you why. Uh, he only played here three games. And um, he had put it in the paper, I read it in the paper, uh, that he had said that barring Candlestick Park, he thought this was the windiest park that he ever played in. Yeah. Uh, the winds here are unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think if you talk to Hawk, Hawk would tell you the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it, the winds here are extremely, they're, they're extreme uh but from the groundkeeper's viewpoint once again there's so many things that you have to decipher on what you do with the weather the pattern of the weather when it's coming in getting your crew ready um there's a lot to it it's more than just matting the field and cutting the grass yeah i'm sure how much do you miss old comiskey park that was your first office yeah you know um as some of the pictures you have seen um i was going there when i was nine years old But you know what, Chuck, I got to be honest with you, I like a new house and a new car. (laughs) And this was it. Uh, Building the stadium, uh, Jerry told me, he said, do whatever needs to be done to the field. And that's why I came up and everybody has my field now. Mm -hmm. And I patented, of course, the first sand bed field, um, similar to the one I put in Saudi for Prince Abdullah. And and, uh, I was able to do that. So I started a little something different. And uh, it's uh, I, I miss it because of my age back then when I was young. I remember that. You have to remember, I, I mean, I was, I was there uh, when Billy Pierce, Jerry Staley, Roy Seavers. I can remember when I was nine or ten and Ted Klazuski. I was out in the outfield, walked by me, and he had the cutoff here. Mm-hmm. I thought he was the biggest man in the world. I thought <laughs> the ground shook when Ted Klauszewski walked by. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been blessed. There is a photo here in your office of the prince. Abdullah, can
1: we look at this photo and can you explain what is going on here? How did he even reach out to you and what did he want?
0: Yeah, the, uh, his people contacted Major League Baseball and they said, we want to know, would you tell us somebody or give us somebody's name? That, and Major League Baseball gave my name and to this day, I don't know who it was. So, Abdullah and I actually became friends, but when I went over there, before I went over there, they send you a book this thick when you meet royalty over there. And, you know, you can't cross your leg a certain way. You can't show him the heel of your shoe. He didn't like chartreuse, yellow, or light brown. So, I didn't wear any of that. But, the but it great- looks like you're wearing a light brown suit. Oh, yeah. Well, it, it, it turned. <laughs> I watched myself, though. Yeah. Okay, um, okay. Yeah. This is him right here. Uh, he's a Stanford graduate. Okay. And he was a George Steinbrenner over there of soccer. They don't mm-hmm. play baseball. It's soccer. And all they had was the old AstroTurf Fields. And so they they hired me, and I put in the first natural tour fields over wow. there in saudi Arabia and actually Abdullah, um, he and I actually became pretty good friends. I spent a lot of time with him. He had a palace over there in Newport in California, treated me very well once again he, he was you know his mother was the king's sister, so he was seventh in line. He'll never see it, yeah. Uh, but treated me extremely well. Um, the first time over there, I stayed at the Marriott, and after that, then I stayed in his palace. You stayed in his palace? I did, I did. But you have to remember that his palace is four times as big as our park here. It's huge, because all the people that work for him stay there. The women have their own part. Uh, it's, it's certainly a different world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... He treated me great Mm -hmm. and that's all that mattered and uh, I'm actually very proud of that because I came up with a lot of different systems over there in Riyadh, which is where I was at where I built the first four fields, um, they have sandstorms come through three times three times, four times a week. So I actually put in two irrigation systems in the same field. Um, I did a lot over there. Uh, I, had, I put in a desalinization unit strictly for the first field. Uh, water over there is... Was, it's Yeah, it's still gold now, yeah. but it was even worse at the time. So it was, uh, it was challenging. Uh, the first field cost them three and a half million dollars. The first yeah, field. The, the first the first natural turf field in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, what again, year was this about? Uh, 83. Okay. 83. And it was 83, 84, and 85. Um, yeah, I flew this out over from San Diego. So, but he it was a lot of fun. I haven't talked to him in probably three, maybe four years now. We keep in casual contact, yeah. uh, but... Uh, yeah, I, uh, uh, he became a nice friend. And, and let me say this, too. Sort of weird, but I got to tell you. You ever hear of the machine called Ms. Pac-Man? Yes. He's the greatest player in the history of Ms. Pac-Man. I'm telling you the truth. I, I, this guy, I saw him go through 21 boards. 21 boards. I mean, at the end of that, his hand was like this, but uh, we got along. He was outgoing. I'm outgoing. Yes. So, so we you hit it off. Yeah, we did. And actually, almost immediately, because when you meet royalty, especially those guys, I always had to be to his left. And after about the sixth time when I met with him, then I didn't have to call him Your Highness anymore. It was Abdullah. We hit it off right away. That's great. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Uh, once again, I've been blessed. You have been blessed. All right.
1: Over your other shoulder is a photograph of disco demolition. This is after the game, I guess the next day, and, and that, you are out there, no shirt on, by the way, with a, some kind of a, not a this lawnmower. A, this what a is a sod that?
0: cutter. Sod cutter. That's the area where the bonfire was. Mm. So, I'm pulling that area out. That's, actually, I look a lot like, right now, but a lot like that too. Yeah, right? you you, you <laughs> age very well. You have aged very well. So, yeah, that's... uh.
1: Yeah, that's quite now, a Now, why do you have that up in here? Because I would think you would not want that here, but does that
0: have some kind of meaning that is a reminder that you want to sh- have yeah, in you your know, world? I, yeah, I think it's one of those things that, you know, that was very huge in my life mm-hmm. for what I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The and, challenge of yeah. it? Oh, no question about it, but it was, uh, it was different. No mm-hmm. one ever had anything like that. And um, I don't know who gave me that picture, but... I know I had to put it up because it was a special day. Maybe, maybe, Maybe not a positive one, but it was a special day.
1: All right, coming up, more of our conversation here on the White Sox Talk podcast. We're back after this.
0: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you
1: have, the smoother your weld is.
0: Learn more at meta.com slash impact.
1: All right, so we've moved outside, we are here on the field. What- does this do for you being outside seeing a field like this what does it do for your soul
0: yeah um I love what I do yeah and um I actually give it a hundred percent everything I do I lose a lot of sleep uh over this uh once again my wife Jerry Lynn's always on be calm guy." I can't I'm who I am uh but how much do you sleep I, I probably average five hours okay yeah yeah I'm not a big sleeper um, you know, there's just something, you feel proud as you do in your business, mm-hmm. what you do. Yeah. And I, I'm the same way when I look at the grass and everything looks good, when the players come out and everybody goes, God, it feels beautiful. And, and in life, I no matter who you are, this here is so important in mm-hmm. life. It's not a monetary thing. It's someone going, boy, what you do is good. Mm-hmm. It's all that matters. What players have meant the most to you? You've gotten to know,
1: Everybody in White Sox history over the last yeah. <laughs> 50, 60 years. But are there a few that stand out for you because it is a relationship business and you have a relationship with every single one
0: of those players who take this field? You know, the, probably the two guys I've been the closest with, without question, Robin Ventura mm-hmm. and Ozzie Guillen. Uh, uh, I can't say enough about those two. I mean, I've run into some great guys. I and mean, when I think of in the past, uh, Bucky Dent, Scotty Fletcher, Wilbur Wood, uh, Johnny Danks. Mm -hmm. These are very special people to me. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, I haven't run into a lot of people, a lot of players that I don't get along with. My job is to take care of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, you run into guys that say, can you do a little softer here, a little firmer? That's my job. And I'm out there. And as you know, I'm out there doing it myself. Yeah. I don't ask anybody else to do it.
1: Do visiting players ask you to do anything? And would you even listen to them? Because you are the White Sox
0: well, groundskeeper. We don't have enough time. I could tell you some stories about Bill North, the Burt Campanaris, and Ricky Henderson and what we used to do years ago in the first baseline where they didn't steal, but we don't have enough time. Uh, uh, I wouldn't mind hearing you know, one story.
1: <laughs> i got a Ricky Henderson story you can tell because that yeah. guy
0: <laughs> fascinates me. Uh, yeah, I tell you, obviously, a Hall of Famer, great athlete. Um, we would went down going from first to second, so he couldn't steal. And, I mean, it literally would be <laughs> like mud. And uh, he knew who I was. And we, we had a couple words one time. Uh, but he understood when he was with the Yankees, he was with the Yankees at one time. yeah. And uh, he wasn't appreciative of the way the field was. But once again, this is what the, I don't do this on my own. I'm yeah. doing this, I'm told to do what I've got to do, right? Yes. Once again, the 10th man on the field. Uh, and it worked out. I mean, Ricky didn't steal a lot of bases when he came here. <laughs> so, but uh, I get along with the players as well. You know, and, and I got to tell you that I think the, I'm trying to think, over the years, the best, some of the best hitters I saw, the right-handers have to be Frank. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a 10-year period where Frank was the best I ever saw. The other guy's Dick Allen. Mm-hmm. No one hit the ball harder than Dick Allen. And I mean, I got to know him quite well. He was very close with my dad. Here's a guy that had a 40-ounce bat, a 35-inch bat, and you literally would see him. He wouldn't come out and take batting practice. He wouldn't take ground balls, and he'd hit the first ball uh, 450 feet. He was really amazing, and a great base runner, and a good dude, a great guy. You know, as far as left-handed hitters, probably three guys, Rod Carew, when you win eight batting titles, you're special. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wade Boggs, another guy just, uh, they tell me that, and I got to know Wade pretty well, they said he could probably average 30 home runs a year if he wanted to, but he was just a contact hitter, and hit doubles, and the other guy was Barry Bonds. Uh, Barry only played three games here I think they were here the third or fourth year that we opened the stadium and each game he hit a home run and it was further than the other he was very impressive that is you know as far as fielders um gosh Omar Vizquel Louis Aparicio was smooth here's where you could tell a good infielder yeah uh after the game you go in a position and you hardly see a spike mark because they have they have what's called soft feet. Mm. Uh, Omar, Louis Aparicio, Roberto, Roberto Alomar, uh, I'll tell you another guy who was really good uh, and a close friend, and I'm not saying this because of that, Ozzy Guillen could play the game. Yes, he could. I could go at the end of the game, Ozzy doesn't know this, and Ozzy, if you're seeing, I'm telling the truth now, uh, at the end of the game, I could go out there and there'd hardly be a spike mark. Ozzy was so light on his feet. Mm. Yeah, you can no, tell a lot by that.
1: No question. I think you might be the only groundskeeper with his own bobblehead.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know what? What are what, what are the things in life that I, I I suppose that I'm really proud of? The Saudi thing with Prince Abdullah. Yeah, um, yeah the bobblehead. <laughs> you know, that's that's got to be up there. Um, uh, actually, and in 06 the opening day of 06 when they gave the rings out yeah. i was with the players and mm. i received a ring then in the beginning of the game but uh, yeah the bobblehead was that was pretty cool and and probably the other thing is the, the sad father yes uh, paul sullivan uh, he was the one that started it so i was going to ask you who coined your nickname sad father and it was Paul it, Sullivan it was, of the Tribune. Exactly, it was Paul Sullivan, yep. And it just caught on, mm-hmm. uh, and it just, it sort of took off. So uh, it's, you know, and I think it's cute. It's great, it's great. I, uh, what a nickname, what yeah. a nickname. <laughs> it says it all. Uh, well, better than some of the names some people call me. <laughs> so I, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with the sound. You I'm are not. the godfather of all
1: uh, <laughs> groundskeepers, so Sodfather is so fitting for you. 05. I got to ask you about 05. The World Series on your field. What
0: was that like for you? Yeah, it was magical. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the groundkeeper, when you when you have a series like that, when you have a year like that, mm-hmm. the field's great. There's never a bad hop. Mm-hmm. Nothing happened because you're winning all the time. Everybody's happy with the mound, the grass, all. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was special. You know, my dad was here in '59, and I can remember him telling me too. He said, "You'll find out, you know, Roger, if you ever get to that point, how special it is." And it really is. Mm. Uh, and I was very close to that group of guys. Yep. So it was uh, it was a special time. And I am uh, I keep telling Rick Hahn that uh, I'm hanging around because I'm looking forward to one more. I'm putting a little pressure on Rick and Kenny. <laughs> what do, What do they say when you say that? Oh, they said, it's going to happen. Just hang in, there. So, hang in there. So I'm hanging in there. Yeah. I
1: mean, you, you're out here and whenever I see you, you got a big smile on your face. And so I think... There's someone who loves his job. Do you even think about how
0: long you wanna to continue to do this? No, Yeah. I have a lot of friends that are, of course retired and you get the the yays and the nays. Uh, some of them are happy, some of them aren't. Um, I just believe that if you love what you do, you don't stop mm-hmm. doing what you do. Yeah. It's, you know, and working for Jerry is, that makes it that much more special. How often do people ask you for tips for their lawn? All the time. <laughs> All the time, you haven't asked me for any, so I have I, not. E- either you have astroturf, or someone else is taking care of your lungs. I know you're not out there mowing it and fertilizing it. Well, no, no. So there was one time you've just. I think you may have. Of course, you.
1: Why would you even remember this? I believe there was a time about nine years ago when I I have a small front yard, and I could not grow any grass. I, I don't remember you mean you didn't have your man that works for you to how take much no, no i was trying to do it myself and i think i might have i might have asked you i think i did ask you a question like what do i do okay. and I, and you asked me how much sun does it get right and right. i said not much and you went, well you're, a, you're you're in, in trouble you're, then. yeah <laughs> right, trouble. right so that was it that was right. my one question okay. i've ever asked you i'll never ask you a question again because no,
0: it must happen all the time you can it does it does but that's fine i'm glad to help people out does your son wanna enter into the business? No, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah we've talked about, You know, he's in our system, he plays in our system yeah. now, uh, he's at high A. Um, the game has changed, not just the game itself, but uh, uh, everything around it. Um, and I'm not saying it's not fun, I, I love what I do. Yeah. Um, things have just changed. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's, it's not the atmosphere that it was going back years ago. Yeah. And you know, you always want better for your children. And so I'm, I'm going to leave it up to him, uh, but I think he's going to go down another avenue, okay. and w- which, is, which is fine. Yeah. Where is he in the minor league system with the White Sox? He's at Winston-Salem. Really? Yes. I, I, I did know that he—I thought he was in Kannapolis. He was, and uh, they, he's been switching back and forth between Kannapolis and Winston-Salem. Okay. That's great. Well, this has been
1: amazing, just walking down memory lane with you. Uh, White Sox fans are just— and White Sox players. This whole organization is just so lucky to have you. You're like a gift to this franchise. And so what you've done for everybody who has played on this field and for everybody who loves White Sox baseball, you are a cherished. You are a golden
0: sod father. Well, Chaz, thank you. As I keep saying, I'm very fortunate. I'm right where I want to be for 56 years. And you're the only person who calls me Chaz. Yeah. <laughs> no one has ever called me Chaz up until probably
1: 2005 when I met you. Right. And you've been calling me Chaz ever since.
0: Well, it's our friendship. It's
1: our friendship. friendship. Okay. Well, thanks again. Uh, any, any last story you'd want to tell?
0: Any last word of uh, just you wisdom? Know, uh, words of wisdom to mm-hmm. the average fan that's worried about their home lawn. Two most important things. Airification think of that. It allows the gas exchange, your hydrogen sulfide, your methane gas. And the other thing is water after two o'clock in the morning. Don't water before that. When you have hot, humid weather, if you water six o'clock in the evening, that means that the droplets of the moisture are gonna hang on the plant and you become very susceptible to disease. Mm-hmm. If you water after two, the sun comes out around 535, it'll dry the blade off where you become less susceptible to disease. Interesting.
1: Now, when you say after two, so between 2 a.m. and? Seven,
0: eight o'clock. In... Okay. In the morning. right Got right. it. Just a little tip, but believe it or not, that's very important. A lot of people don't realize that. You see a lot of people, they think, Either
1: early in the morning, which is what we do. Right. Or you feel like dusk is fine too. Yep. But that's not the no, case. No, no.
0: That's the exact opposite of what you actually want to do. All right. So if
1: I see my neighbor who likes to water her plants at dusk, I'm going to let her know what you said. And it's going to change her plants forever because of Roger Bossert. <laughs> I hope it works. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been great. Thank you so much. Thank you. My All right. pleasure. All right. Awesome. All right. So there you have it. The one and only Roger Bossard, a treasured member of the White Sox for all these years. I learned a lot about his life, his career, and, yeah, we even got a free tip about watering our lawns. That's a bonus. Before sunrise. Never around sunset. I always thought you could do either before sunrise or dusk. Don't do it at dusk, everybody. That's what Roger says. And no surprise, he is the longest- tenured groundskeeper in Major League history. He's been with the White Sox longer than any other employee. Think about it. He and his dad are the only White Sox groundskeepers in the last 82 years, dating back to 1940. One of many reasons why he is so beloved, a living groundskeeping legend. That's a wrap for this edition of the White Sox Talk Podcast, brought to you by Wintrust. Your home for White Sox checking with free ATMs nationwide. Go to the special White Sox webpage, slash socks. Hawk Harrelson, take it away. Thanks, our Chuck. And this edition of the White Sox Talk Podcast is over.